So you survive on checklists? Yeah. It's um like started when I was younger and I just like kept with it. And now like as an adult, like I have this notebook at home and it has a poop emoji on it and then to do under it. Um, and it, it's just, it has all these like, um, file stickers sticking out of it with like little labels and everything is a checklist of like all the things I have to get done in my life. And like, I just continually adding and checking off and like going through and stuff. Yeah. And it is by far like the only planner journal system that I have put in place that I've actually used for longer than like a year. What made you stick with it? Um, realizing that. I might be neurodivergent um, and then also seeing it in my partner and knowing that his brain does not work the same way as most people's do. And so we just have to like really be on top of ourselves and be like, okay, we have to get these things done. And it's like ADHD is what I'm talking about with neurodivergency, especially. Um, and it's like, if you don't see it, you won't do it at all. Like, is it like... It's really sad because it also goes into like your relationships as well. So like if I do not see or hear from my parents, I will not make an effort to go see them. Even though like I love my parents, they are like blessings on this earth, angels. Like if they don't reach out or like I don't have a reason to go see them, like there's no contact. Like it's it's just a really strange thing. And I like thought it was because there was like something wrong with me and they didn't like me or like something like that, which is also a part of ADHD, which is rejection sensitivity. Um, I'm learning so much um, on this journey. Um, just to clarify, I'm undiagnosed. Um, I tried to go for a diagnosis last January, or sorry, last February, and I had been on um, stimulant medication for like a month and a half at that point and had the best month and a half of my life since I had been 18 years old. Um, backstory is I've struggled with like depression and anxiety and like, you know, the whole slew of what seems to be kind of a normal twenties experience nowadays. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was on the stimulant medication and I went to go see a psychiatrist to get the full diagnosis so that I could continue taking the medication. And he looked at me and he said, because I was a female and I did well in school that I didn't have ADHD that I had um, BPD, which I thought was bipolar disorder, but now I've come to find out it's borderline personality disorder. I am just in this slew of like, what do I actually have? And like, I don't really know. So instead of being like, I have this or that now, I'm just like, okay, how does my brain function? And like, what can I do to like make it work better? Because like, what's working is working. And then what isn't working isn't working, you know? So it's just like that Oh, somebody on your podcast said this before a couple of weeks ago um, about process. Um, process improvement? Yes. Um, and so I, I didn't have a name for it until then. Um, but I was like, I've always been doing that in some degree where I'll just be like, there's a problem there. I need to fix that. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's find another solution for that. So I think it's, uh, you know, one of those core values that just makes me a really good employee. <laughs> Overall, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've been self-assessing and trying to correct and seeing what works and what doesn't. And also then things that aren't visible, you're not even going to think about it. So even with the parents, it has to be obvious mm -hmm. for you to be, okay, I got to call you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like um, 
to paint you a picture of what my house looks like. Um, my bedroom has a literal giant whiteboard on it that has all of these house projects to do, things to do on it. My kitchen has a calendar and everybody and every activity has a certain color and it's all marked on the calendar for everyone to see so that everybody's on task with what's going on. Um, and like just all these like little things so that I see it, my partner sees it. And then there's like that level of like accountability and like I also just can't sit there all day and do nothing and then be depressed because I did nothing. It's like, oh, look, there's actually things to do. Now I'm getting up and I'm going to go do those things and like not feel sad. So, yeah, I find a lot of joy in doing like household tasks and chores, but I have to have that like carrot dangle and like checking off a checkbox is my carrot. Like I want to go get that carrot. So Oh, that's that that instant feedback checked it off. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then I'll like I'll put in little rewards throughout my day. So like I love juice. <laughs> so when we go to the grocery store, I justify buying like juice because I'm like, well, I'm gonna do this and this task. And I'm like, I want juice after. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, not the best, but yeah. So you have all these plans and checklists. What happens when something unexpected happens? Um, it is very dysregulating still. And I mean, I think it's just part of where I am at in my journey. Um, I became a mother four months ago to a beautiful little baby boy. And um, just like trying to be on top of just not only like myself and my needs, but like his as well and like my partner's as well. And like we have four cats and a dog and like we have a very busy household. So it's like a lot of personalities to like manage. So I feel like as of late when stuff comes up that's unexpected or like doesn't go according to plan, it is very, very dysregulating. But um, like I've been in therapy for the last four and a half years consistently and I've worked a lot on my um like coping strategies for when I do get dysregulated and like what to do and like finding better coping mechanisms and doing things for me that will benefit me in the long run rather than just being selfish in the moment which I think is a really big I think it's just a human thing in general everybody wants that instant gratification that like one fix solve all like kind of thing and we we seek that but like life is so long like <laughs> it's so short but it's so long and like if you don't fill it with good things then I don't think you're gonna see good things in your life if that makes any sense yeah if you just keep adding these pieces that don't make sense to it at the end what's it gonna be yeah yeah I was thinking about this in the uh, this morning about um, how like a classroom is like a garden and like when you have a garden like there's you're not gonna have all the same flowers in your garden right you're never gonna have all of the same conditions throughout your garden you're not gonna have all of the same sunlight or water conditions like everything's so different and like your plants are all have these varying needs and everything but like your ultimate goal is to make this huge garden like thrive together right and like that is also how I'm like viewing my life too I'm like oh my life is a garden and like 
elements of my life are thriving and doing very well, but there are some real big weeds we still have to pull. And like, there's still a lot of plants that like, no matter how much care and attention I give it, it is not thriving. So we need to find another solution. Mm. <laughs> What's the solution you found to help something that's not thriving? Recently? Um... Okay, my bedroom. <laughs> um, we inherited a king mattress. So it pushed, like I have always, have always dreamed of having a king mattress. It's just this like big fantasy. I'm a big, like big reader and I love big comfy beds to like read in. Okay. So there's the king bed. Like the only part I'm missing right now is the, um, the curtain above the bed. <laughs> um, but okay. So, so you're living almost in a fairy tale suit. That's the, the dream. Yeah. My therapist literally told me last time that I could be a Disney character. And I was like, thank you. I'm going to be a Disney princess. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So like I've changed it so that when I wake up, like my view is like all of the things that like make me happy or like I have to do and like. I've reorganized my room so it makes sense. So like all of my hair stuff is like in one part and it has outlets so I can turn on and off my um, my straighteners and stuff without having to like go to another room and do everything. I have all my makeup together. I have all my jewelry together. Like it's all these things that like just make the process of like taking care of my physical appearance a lot easier. And like, um, oh, another one is like I have chronic eczema. Like, staying on top of that has always been a struggle, but, like, I finally found, like, some good products and, like, a routine, and I have this, like, really ridiculous phrase that I say to myself, but it gets me to do the thing. So I say it rubs the lotion on its hands or else it gets the clobetazome again. <laughs> <laughs> What's the clobetazome? Oh, that's the name of the steroid that I get prescribed for my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so are you putting it on your hands or are you putting different lotion? Okay, so um, with eczema, you have to, like, if you don't need a steroid, so, like, if it's not super inflamed and cracked and, like, raw where mine was, like, a month ago, um, you can just get away with using um, basically any unscented lotion. I found um, just Gold Bond has a really, really good formula um, and it dries down so then you're not, like, sticky and, and gross and stuff. And, like, because mine's on my hand, so... It's just makes my life easier to have something that works for me. Yeah. It seems you decluttered your room. You organized it in a way where it was low friction. Mm -hmm. Then on top of it, you decided to take this big barrier of doing things out, which is painful cracked hands. Mm -hmm. and you solved that problem. And that was kind of your, your way to process and prove. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every day. And like I do a lot of little things every day. I'm like, oh, is that really working? Is that whatever? Like dishes. I'm always like, OK, is drying these dishes the best way to do that? And like we have this super cool dish rack from Amazon and it's um, like a two tiered dish rack and it has all these parts that you can um, move around and, and clip. So like if you have really big dishes that you need like big pots and pans, you can like open it up so they can stack and air dry or like there's lots of hangers so you could do all your baking dishes and stuff. Like it's made our life so much easier. And I was like, thank you so much. I think we might've used one of our son's gifts for that, but, um, thanks family. <laughs> <laughs> But that the right tool for the job. Exactly, exactly. And like I do so much dishes now that it's like that's what I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> what coping skills have you learned throughout this whole process? Through like motherhood? Well, you said you learned new coping skills. Um, oh, through like therapy. 
Through anything. Anything? Oh, just like all the time. I mean, like life is a journey and your journey isn't always smooth. And there's sometimes there's uphill battles and rocks that trip you up. And like, yeah, sometimes you can just get back up again and, and keep going. But like sometimes you have to sit with your pain and nurse your wounds before you can get back up and go. And yeah, that I think learning that you are going to have to struggle and you're going to have to feel that pain sometimes is like part of my journey that I didn't expect to be on and like to actually let myself like be in pain and like be like, why am I feeling this way? Why do I hurt? And like, why do I let myself continue to be hurt by things that I can't control? And it's like, it's a journey. It's outside of me. It's not because of me. It was because of my surroundings. Okay, that's not my situation anymore. I need to overcome. I need to move past this. I need to keep going. Because, I mean, yeah, I've lost quite a few people before it, their natural time. Sorry to go a little dark here. Um, my high school crush actually passed away four months after graduation in, like, this horrific car crash. Um and, like, that rocked our whole school community and, like, it it changed a lot of us. Um, I am one of those people that I – I was friends with everybody but not, like, super close. And I, I keep in touch with people and, um, you know, I just found out some information recently about one of the best friends of this guy that passed. And it just – it broke my heart because – of how much he had to struggle and he had to overcome because of his friend passing away. And I just, I, I yeah, I think about that. And shortly after um, that young guy had passed, um, the, like, the mom of my entire education journey also passed away. And it was very sudden. It was, um, she had a, gone in for a routine knee replacement surgery and had a blood clot that detached and went up to the heart and was gone. And then I think it was, yeah, that same summer I lost my grandpa. So it was just like this whole, like, this is for context. That was when I was 17 going on 18, um, in my first year of university. So I was going through a lot of stuff at the time and just felt like, why are all these people being taken away from me? Why am I left here? I'm nothing. Like, they they mean so much. And, like, they they made so many people happy. Like, why am I still here? Why, why am I existing? Like, I'm not doing anything good. And Yeah, I just, I, I got really dark there for a few years. And um, education perked me up, though. Um, yeah, I took three years of like undergraduate like arts and science and then I took um another three years of education um and that's including two internships which is a little bit abnormal for the internship experience in education um so yeah it was education I started to get a little bit better I, I had made some really good friends then um and, like, my first year was, like, so cool. I was also in the Fireside Singers that year. I don't know if you know them. Um, so they're a local choral group led by Marilyn Whitehead. Um, and this year actually celebrated their 50th year. 
yeah, I no longer sing with them, but I'm a huge fan of the work they do. But yeah, unfortunately, like, yeah, mental health and like my internship um, came up, so I wasn't able to be a part of it. And then um, my internship, I failed the first time around, which uh, I, I was always a kid who passed. You know, like it didn't matter. Like I was usually like in the high 80s and I passed. I always passed my classes and I didn't pass my internship. And I've been wanting to be a teacher since second grade. So it's like 15 years of my life at this point wanting something. And it's like I'm actually out there doing it and I failed. And I couldn't like I couldn't figure out what I did wrong. I was like, I, I studied. I passed all the classes. I did everything I was supposed to do. I like did all the volunteering possible. I had so many different jobs so that I could have these experiences so I could share them with my students. I talked to all the old people so I can collect their stories. I talked to immigrant families to understand how they feel coming to this country. I talked to like everyone. Sorry, mom brain. Forgot where I was going with this. So you failed your first internship? Yep. So how... Did that happen? Um, I would say setting, uh, mostly. Um, I was also only 22 at the time. Um, something that I found out in hindsight is that education actually has a really different internship process than a lot of other colleges. Um, for education, it's a mandatory thing. So you pay for the four months that you're a teacher in whatever school they decide to put you in. Um, and like when I went through, probably inflation prices have gone up, but it was like over $3,500. Um, they do not pay you for any of the work that you do. You are expected to do extracurricular activities. Um, you're supposed to get involved with the community. Like you're just like really supposed, there's this like air of like, doing everything above and beyond. And so, like, I was working my butt off. Um, I got placed in, like, the literal of middle nowhere. Yeah, it was, like, this really small town. And um, unfortunately, they had passed some bylaws where the white population, student population, was bussed out to another school. And it was entirely reservation-fed. Um so it, it did operate under um, a local school board, but it wasn't, it didn't feed any, it, it wasn't a school for everyone, if you kind of catch my drift. Yeah. So like it was a school basically just for indigenous kids. From a bylaw. From a bylaw that was passed before all of the school divisions were told to amalgamate in, I think it was like 20, 2003. Okay. Yeah. For the internship, I had decided to move in with my grandparents in North Battleford because it would it was like a 30-minute drive, 40-minute given the weather versus like an hour and a half from Saskatoon every day because um, I really wanted to be involved in the community and I wanted to do all the things that you had to do to be an intern and that. So um, that was really upsetting because like they're – in their 80s and they live a very different lifestyle than a 22 year old millennial um <laughs> just ch chalk it up to that um and then my intern teacher because you're always partnered with like a senior teacher um who like evaluates you and like uh is a correspondence of everyday behavior to the university of how you are 
and she this, I was her first, very first intern so she had no experience in like passing on her experience um and we were very different personalities similar in some ways but I think very different and she was at a very different point in her life um yeah it just was a kind of an unfortunate thing that just kind of happened like just all these little things that piled up that made it not the best situation um I ended up actually substituting for the class which is illegal in internship world um if your teacher is not going to be there there needs to be a licensed teacher in the room and there were more than a dozen times where I was left unsupervised for a whole day no one came to check on me and I'm like what the heck um I was also paired with grade nine class so if you remember anything about being in grade nine everybody's rowdy everybody has hormones and um at a level of you know all the things that the government has done to indigenous people and the generational gaps and the fact that some of these kids don't go home to a stable home life that they may or may not have supper or breakfast that they may or may not have a jacket for the winter or clothes you know like their needs and their care is not a priority for their guardians and the people that are supposed to be taking care of them and it's it was it's just very very sad very sad so um I am not a violent person but I assaulted a child while I was in my internship I um I grabbed the front of his shirt to try and grab his attention which you know in hindsight never put your hands on anyone else like that is not my place there was no reason I should have ever done that Um, but it was a frustration moment, a breaking point. It was, I was so mentally broken down by all these unfortunate things that had kept piling up. And as much as I had sent emails and cried and done the things that I was supposed to do, I failed and it hurt (laughs) a lot. (laughs) How'd you come back from it? Um, I kind of forced myself, um, my grandma became my biggest supporter because obviously she knew that that area was just not the best, really not the best. And, um, she actually came with me because, um, when you fail an internship, um, in order to be basically say that you can give it another go, um, you have to pass this like screening thing or whatever. And given my situation where I assaulted a student, there was extra like, what the heck? Um, so I brought my grandma in with me as a support person and we explained everything that happened and I apologized and I wrote all these apology letters and, you know, I did all those things. And once that was done, I became an alcoholic, um, for a good few months, um, drinking pretty heavy. And I, started smoking cigarettes like for the first time and yeah just being really reckless and dumb and all these things and I just let myself like have that space to just be that person for a little bit because I felt like I'd kept myself so tightly wound and like what had that done for me whole heck a lot of nothing right so like might as well do the exact opposite exactly right like just some straight trash logic there but okay hindsight 
Um, and then, yeah, so I applied and I did get approval to do another internship. Um, so I did another one that fall and completely different setting. So small, rural, white town. Um, there was maybe 120 kids in the school total. I had an experienced teacher who was in the same um, teaching areas and had the same passions as I did. Um, and if he, I, if I, if we didn't match, he went and made connections for me in the school. So that was really nice because it felt like my first intern teacher never did that for me. She was like, oh, you're really struggling and that's not really your subject area. Maybe we should try something else. And it was never, oh, it was just like, no, you have to figure it out kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I passed the second internship and then I moved out of my parents' house and had nothing to do with children for over a year. I was like, heck and heck this, heck, heck, I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, I worked at a drug mart and helped pe old people with their pharmacy needs. Oh, and now you're a teacher? <laughs> now I'm a teacher. So what grades do you teach? Um, okay. So I'm on maternity leave. I, um, I left teaching last April. And so I got a position at a private literacy studio in... April of 2021 um, and all of our kids have some sort of diagnosed disability so they have like ADHD or dyslexia, dysgraphia, um, memory issues like you name it they probably have a little bit of it um, and the regular public education system just doesn't work for those learners like it's not concentrated enough for their needs and what they need to be able to succeed and a lot of it it just comes down to repetition. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I did a lot of tutoring. I taught um, kids like in their, like a, they have a school within this tutoring center. So I was teaching like some of the classes for the school and then I would be tutoring and I really liked it. And then summer we just were just tutoring and I had a bunch of families that were very consistent and like came when they were supposed to and I got paid and everything. But um, um, and then in the fall, we moved locations and then we were um, trying to get classed as an independent school so that they could run programs for these ADHD dyslexic kids like full time with government funding because um, the tuition for parents, I think, was like 1500 a month per kid. And oftentimes, you know, if one kid has ADHD, the rest do too. Yeah, it was just like some some of these parents are paying like upwards of like four or five grand a month just to send their kids to school that actually works for their kids. So you found a little support goes a long way. Oh, yeah. Because like you open up the doors for people to start sharing their life and sharing their experience. And like really at the core of it. We all have the same experiences. We just express them differently sometimes. Um, a really cool thing about me is I am actually part of the deaf community. Um, so I'm a nerd, not even related to deaf. I have no friends or family that are deaf. Um, but I do have my level one American Sign Language. And I have about, well, we're going on about eight years experience um, signing and learning. Yeah. So what surprised you when you started doing sign language? Mm, how easy it is to make a mistake. Um, a lot of the signs are very similar. So you could say something like, I want to make coffee. 
Um, but with a slight crook of your wrist, you can say, I'd like to make out with you. Because <laughs> I'd like to make and then fill in. Could no. Be coffee, could be. It's, it's not the same as English language patterns. So like in English, we would say, I, or um, like there is a dog. We would add the word is to everything or add. So what would you say instead of there's a dog over there? You would point at the dog and then you would sign the word dog. So I've seen dogs signed where you snap your fingers by your hip, but I've also seen dog signed up by your face where you snap your fingers up by your face. And some people also sign dog by like tapping their thigh. So like if you're talking about like, oh, I'm talking to a dog, like you're going to use language for the dog, right? So you're going to sign down by where the dog's level, right? By your leg. But like if you're talking about a dog in conversation and like it's, there's not necessarily like a dog around you, signing it by your face kind of makes sense because like in your speech pattern, you're already signing by your face and using your face is also a really, really big part of ASL. Um... Because, yeah, like, obviously, you don't have a voice. So you have to use your hands and use your face and use your body. Like, it's so fun. I love it. (laughs) Everybody could use a little bit of sign language in their world. I think so. And, like, I do use sign language as a part of my education journey uh, or, like, as an educator. Um, It's very, very handy to teach your kids the alphabet in sign language. Um, And I had a very terrible pregnancy as far as pregnancies go. Um, I started throwing up at week seven and I threw up until six hours before my son was born every single day, multiple times a day. What did you do to keep things down? Um, I wouldn't eat (laughs) a lot of the time. Um, also the only thing I could keep down a majority of it was McDonald's or like fast food. And I was like, this is so terrible. Like kept throwing up everything that was healthy. Like didn't matter. But McDonald's kept that stuff down. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you sustained yourself on fast food for your whole pregnancy out of necessity. Uh, for the most part, yeah. But like it was weird because I was like, I don't want to eat McDonald's all the time. So I'd be like, okay, I'll like be healthy or like my husband will like make me soups and stuff. But I'd be like, Bleh. right back up. See you later. How, how long did it last after the pregnancy? Oh, I like literally was done. Um, I was in labor with him. And then I think that was like the last time I threw up. But yeah, after he popped up, my body went like, shoop, there was no baby in there. Bye-bye. So four months, you haven't gone, you haven't vomited at all. No, it's great. I love it. My teeth are great. Yeah, all that stomach acid probably wasn't doing you any favors. <laughs> <laughs> what should we call it? Yeah.